So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the reckoning. That's the title of our message today, the reckoning. Because whether or not Jesus returns in our lifetime, life as we know it is going to finish on earth. And we'll have to face one of two judgments. And I want to talk about those two judgments today. And also, I want to answer the question, what will heaven be like? What will heaven be like, okay? So let's build a foundation for our study today by going to the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible, chapter uh, 22 of the book of Revelation, and read verses 12 and 13. And this, these are the words of Jesus to, to start us out here. And I need to, need to ask you to help me out today, okay? I need some help from all of you, so help me read this part aloud. Are you ready? Jesus said what? Behold, right? Is that what he says? That's not what he says there, anywhere. I don't see, behold. Okay, it's close. Look, everybody, help me out. He says, look, I'm coming what? Soon, okay, I'm coming soon, Jesus said. And what, was, what will be with Jesus when he returns? He said, my reward is with me. My reward is with me. And Jesus said, and I will give to everyone according to what? They have done, according to what they have done. He said, he goes on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Behold, I am coming soon. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Now, if you're new to our church, I want to tell you, that what we're going to talk about is a little bit creepy and weird. And I want to let you know that we're not always creepy and weird. But for these three weeks, we're going to be creepy and weird. It's a little bit creepy and weird what we're going to talk about, but we're going to go there anyway, okay? And so if you're a follower of Christ, I, I want to be very, very clear in this. We're not qualified for heaven. None of us are qualified for heaven by how good we are. None of us are. The truth is that we are all sinners, and the only way that we get a chance to make it is because of God's grace, okay? We're, we, we're made right with God by our faith in Jesus Christ. He's the bridge. Can everybody say the bridge? That allows us to have that relationship with God Again, Jesus is that. So we're not made right on our own efforts. We're made right because of what God gave us, his grace in Jesus. The grace that God gives us through faith and so that we can be forgiven and by Jesus and have this relationship with God again. So I just wanted to reiterate that because what I'm about to say all right, is something that you may not know or may need reminding of, okay? And this is what I'm gonna say, but... Those of us who are followers of Christ, talking about a totally different category now, those of us who are followers of Christ, it is very important to know that although our works will not, they do not qualify us for heaven, that the way we live here on earth determines how we will be rewarded in heaven. So how we respond to this grace, to this forgiveness, to this relationship with Jesus now will determine the way we get rewarded in heaven. Are you with me? Say yes. 
All right. So let me say that again. For those of us who are followers of Christ, the way we live on earth now will determine how we are rewarded in heaven. For example, a preacher and a taxi cab driver went to heaven. And there they were, and St. Peter met them at the pearly gates. And he sees the preacher, and he says, Preacher, pastor, come on in. And he shows them the I got a three-bedroom house for you with a gated fence, and it's beautiful. Here you go. And the pastor's like, wow, thank you so much. And then he talks to the taxi cab driver, and he says, taxi cab driver, come over to this way. I got a seven-room mansion right on this holy golf course up here. And the pastor's like, wait, 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 wait. There's got to be some kind of mistake. Uh, don't you understand? I've been preaching the gospel, you know, for all these years on earth. I mean, I'm super glad I made it and everything. But to this three-bedroom deal and that, you know, is there some kind of mistake? And, and Peter says, well, you, you no, know, there's not a mistake. He says, you know, um, what happens is in heaven is we measure based on results. And so when you preached, people slept. But when the taxi cab driver drove, people prayed. And so this is your reward in heaven. All right, so you guys like that one, I think. All right, that's good. So I just want to let you know that's not really how it's going to happen. St. Peter's not going to be waiting for us at the pearly gates. That was just a joke. I just want to let you know that's not how it's all going to go down. But what is true is that the way we live on earth will determine how we are rewarded in heaven. And so what is that going to look like? What is that going to look like? The scriptures talk about judgment. Can everybody say judgment? What will that be like for me and for you? We're going to look at that, the reckoning. That's why we call today the reckoning. When I was a kid, I was told that there was going to be a reckoning for me. And what was going to happen is something like this huge screen behind me was going to show my whole entire life in front of everybody, not just you guys, in front of everybody and everything from the beginning to the end of my life was going to be like a big movie, on a big movie screen and I was going to be able to see my life. And I thought, Oh my goodness, that will be so embarrassing for me. If that is the case, just don't do that. Just send me to hell. I, I don't want to show my whole life before everybody. It's not for everybody to see if that's what it's going to be like. I think that's horrible. So what will the judgment be like? We're going to look at that today at two different judgments. This reckoning. The first one, if you're taking notes, is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. What is it and when will it take place? Good question. Let's start with when will it take place, okay? A lot of Bible scholars believe uh, that, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say I, I, I believe this as well, they believe that it'll take place right after the rapture and the return of Jesus. And the reason they believe this is according to a little verse in the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 14, where Jesus is talking and he's teaching and this is what he says. He's, he's like, hey, if you're going to throw a dinner, don't just invite your friends, right? And the neighbors who have some money to invite you to one of their nice fancy dinners. He says, no, instead, invite the blind and the poor and the lame and the crippled, the ones that can't, they have no way of paying you back. Invite those people to your party. He says, but I will repay you 
or I will reward you. Let's look at the verse 14 in, in the book of Luke, chapter 14. Jesus said, although they, the poor, cannot repay you. Is that what it says? Yes. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So a lot of people believe that the judgment seat will take place right after the resurrection of the righteous. Last week, we studied, and by the way, if you missed last week, you're like, darn it all, I wish I was there, and you can catch all of what we're doing, not just last week, but all of what we're doing on our website at DuralVineyard.org, and you can catch up and be right with us, okay? So last week, we, we, we studied that the righteous, those who are in Christ, are raised from the dead, that they'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. So where do we read about this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, for we must all appear before the what? Can everybody say that aloud? Before the? Of Christ. That's where we got it from. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things while in the body, whether good or bad. So, most scholars believe, and I agree, that the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for followers of Christ only, and that the judgment seat of Christ, we're, we're not judged for salvation, because we believe that's already been settled. We're not judged for salvation or damnation. We've already been saved, right? But this is a judgment for rewarding us for all the good works done on earth. And here's why people believe this. The Greek word translated there as judgment seat, okay, is the word bema. You may have heard me say that word last Sunday if you were here. It's spelled B-E-M-A, and the bema, bema is not the seat where the judge sits to render a verdict whether guilty or innocent. The judgment seat is a place where they, they would issue, a judge would sit to issue awards at the Gratian Awards, okay? So if the runners would run a race, the judge would sit at the Bema seat and he would say, congratulations, here's the reef or here's the crown for first place or congratulations, here's the reef or the crown for second place, okay? And so this was where the judge would issue awards for those who would win the race. Now, how will we be rewarded? I'm not 100% for sure, but my theory is that there might be tens of hundreds of thousands of different kinds of of crowns, okay, and, 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 and various other types of rewards, not just crowns. Now, initially, whenever someone would, I grew up in the church my whole life, and whenever someone would talk about the second coming of Christ, I would get all excited, and then when they would talk about the rewards, and they would talk about a crown, this is where I would check out, because I'm like, a crown? Uh, what's the big deal with the crown? I would check out. I don't really need that. I mean, Jesus is going to be there. That's the big thing. That's the big news. That's all I really care about, but then I started to think recently in the last few weeks, in the last few months um, a little bit differently about these rewards. Why? Because I started thinking about how the f every food we eat, and I started thinking about the food we eat, the paint on the wall, everything around us, the trees, the palm, everything around us is made for the glory of God. And so if I'm given something that will help me bring God glory, then guess what? I'm all about whatever reward he wants to give me because it's gonna help me to give God the glory that he deserves. And so I'm all about it. So we know for sure, according to scripture, that there are at least five different crowns, and let me show them to you. There's five different crowns. The first one is the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible, 
incorruptible crown. For those who run a faithful race, who are devoted to Christ in righteous living, the way we live will determine whether we receive this crown or not, that if we've been devoted to Christ. The other one is the crown of, right, of rejoicing. There's this crown of rejoicing for those who share their faith. Yesterday, a group of us went to go share our faith with water bottles. We went to the Doral area and we gave out water bottles and it was a great time. We got to share our faith and pray for people and talk about God's love. All right, so if you invite your friend to church or your neighbor or you're a light in your office and you're a, a witness to others, there is a crown for those who share their faith. There's also the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness for those who long for Christ's returning. Remember last week, we talked about the word Maranatha, right? The Lord is coming soon. He's coming soon. If you look forward to his return, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for you. There's also the crown of glory for people who long for God's appearing among us. Now, mind you, just as a review, right, just as a review, uh, when we say yes to Jesus, he indwells every single believer, okay, and there's a special sense in which his presence comes when the believers are gathered together as we're doing together right now, and God is here. Last year, around this time, at Christmas time, we talked about Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God is with us, so that's one of the reasons why we should love to gather and want to be with each other because of this longing of God's special presence when believers gather. Now, I'm one of those. I long for us to gather. I long for us to get together, and I'm really interested in getting one of those crowns as well. Finally, there is the crown of life. If you've ever suffered for the cause of Christ on his behalf, for those who are martyred, for those who are endure great hardships for Christ, there is actually a crown given to those who suffer for the glory of Christ. Now, if you think, well, hey, I am going to be showing off the crown I get in heaven. If you think, hey, I'm going to be looking at all these crowns and I'm going to be showing other people and be like, look at my crown. My crown is so big. And your crown is so puny. You know, don't you wish your crown was as big as mine, you know? And no, we're, we're not going to be doing that. We're not going to be walking around with a, a truckload or a wagon full of crowns and showing off to people. We're not going to be doing that at all because in Revelation chapter 4, verse 24, we'll probably do what these, these, um, the elders, the 24 elders did in Revelation chapter 4, where when they received their crowns, you know what they did? They got their crown from Jesus, and they took off their crowns, and they put it at his feet. They knelt down before Jesus, and they took their crowns, and they placed it at his feet, because if we could only imagine Jesus, the one who took a crown of thorns for us, placing a crown of royalty on us, it would just humble, I know it would humble me. It would just be so humbling. It would be one of the most humbling moments of my existence when Jesus does that. And I would just be like, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve anything. But you, God, deserve everything. And just to put this crown that you've given me at your feet to worship the one who is due all of our worship and all of our honor and all of our praise. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, how we live on earth will determine how we will be rewarded in heaven. Now let's take a step back, okay, and I, what I want to do is I want to give you a suggested timeline, a suggested timeline of all these different events that have been, that we've been talking about. Now this is a suggested timeline. Everybody say suggested. 
You didn't say it loud enough. Suggested. All right, okay, okay, good. Okay, this is not declaring that this is 100% accurate. This is what I've done is I've taken different verses from the Bible, I pulled them together, and this is what I've been able to come up with. Now, if you go to a website that tells you, hey, this is what's gonna happen at the end, we are 100% sure this is the way the, 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 the events are gonna take place, just look at them and say, uh-huh, because the Bible teaches us that no one knows the hour. No, none of us knows the hour. None of us know for sure, okay? So what we're talking about is we're, we're taking different verses and we're building. What, what I'm doing is I'm building my best guess, mostly accurate timeline, and I want to show you so you'll have this. And it's not, it, it's not anywhere where you can write it down. If you want, you can take a picture of the screen as, it's, as it comes up. But this is a suggested timeline. We learned last week that Christ would return and that the dead in Christ would rise. The Christians would be raptured. Some people believe the rapture takes place after. Some people believe it takes uh, place before the tribulation. I'm a post-trib guy, which means I believe it's after. Either way, we're going to find out, aren't we? Okay, so wait, you said tribulation. You didn't talk about that much last week. What is a tribulation? Okay, tribulation. Tribulation is, it's a general word referring to the hardships and the sufferings that God's people will always have to pass through. The scripture talks about a period of tribulation, the Antichrist, Antichrist will rise during this time. Some people attest to an actual seven-year tribulation, but that's not found in the New Testament anywhere. So I don't, I don't hold to an actual number about seven actual years, okay? I just do believe that there is a time, um, and we're in it right now, I do believe. And maybe we're not getting our heads chopped off like in the times of tribulation. Maybe you're not, but somewhere around the world, actually I was just reading yesterday about some Iranian Christian women that were getting, that were put in prison and tortured because of their beliefs. So somewhere around the world, our brothers and our sisters are getting uh, persecuted and are being tortured for their faith. Just because you are not doesn't mean that it's not happening right now. And so when he comes for us, believers, we may be rewarded very early on in this process. As I read in Luke chapter 14, verse 14, I read that a little earlier. So there's going to be this battle of Armageddon. Armageddon, evil versus righteousness. And our God wins when Satan is thrown into the bottomless pit, right, where he's bound for a thousand or so years, only to be released for a short period of time before God does away with him forever. Now, during the thousand or so year time, also known as the millennial, millennium, and again, I don't want to hold to a certain thousand years. I don't believe it's an exact thousand years. I won't insist on that. But it's during this millennial reign that Jesus, with us, his church, will rule and reign for a thousand years or so on earth. Then comes the resurrection of the dead. Last week, we looked at the resurrection, two different resurrections. The first is resurrection for those who are in Christ. The second is for unbelievers and those, and those that are that are not yet, have not professed faith in Jesus. That's known as the resurrection of the dead, who will be judged at the great white throne judgment. This is before God does what he wanted to do, and that is, establishes the new heaven and the new earth, okay? Now, people ask me all the time. They ask me, well, what will heaven be like? Won't we be bored in heaven? What are we gonna do for all eternity? 
after this massive war and battle and evil is done away with and we just have to dwell, what is it, do we just dwell with God forever in paradise? Aren't we gonna be like bored? Is this what it's gonna be like? Are we just gonna sit there and look at fat, naked baby angels playing the harp all the time for all eternity? What is heaven gonna be like in eternity? Well, John had a vision of this in Revelation 21. And in verse one through four, and I'll show you three specific descriptions of what heaven will be like, okay? The first thing is that we're gonna look at, we're we're gonna see is that that God will establish a what? Would you put it up on the big screen behind me? He's gonna establish what? On the big screen it says nothing. A new heaven and a new earth, right there, number one. He's gonna establish a new heaven and a new earth. And so this is it, verse, in Revelation 21, verse 1, God will establish, he says this, John is talking, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So what happens? God establishes and he creates a brand new earth and, and that has no sin, the curse of sin that has been walking around our earth until now, it will be no more, and also a new heaven. And that's why many scholars believe, and I tend to agree, that whatever we enjoy on earth, we're gonna enjoy even more so in heaven, okay? Whatever we like now in this new earth and in this new heaven, the only difference is that we won't be under the curse of sin. It will be just like in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve was with God and there was uninterrupted fellowship with the Lord in paradise before the serpent turned and ruined everything with the temptation followed by the cure. So whatever we love on earth, our favorite moment on earth, heaven will be indescribably better than our greatest moment on earth. Think about your favorite place, your favorite moment. For me, my favorite moment was the day that I got married. Yes, it was unbelievable. The day we had our first child, that was an unbelievable moment. The day we had our second child, that was an unbelievable moment. The day I came to the Doral Vineyard, that was enough for me. That was an unbelievable. So just combine all those moments together and heaven is still gonna be better than all those unbelievable moments. Every time I get to spend time with my family and laughing in those moments where I'm saying, this is living now, right? I just, all of that combined together, it's gonna be better than all of that. And we'll take all of those best moments on earth together and realize the scripture says this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can, 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 can understand what God has prepared for those who love him. So God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. The second thing is that we will never suffer again. That's the second thing. Here's what scripture says. The promise from God. Revelation 21 verse 4 and 5. It says this. He, meaning God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Can somebody say yay God? All right. For For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death and no more mourning, no more crying or pain. We sang that, no more crying. That's why we sang that, because we're gonna go see the king. For those of us who hurt right now, who have back pains or knee pains or headaches, we need to know that in the new heaven and in the new earth, there will be no more pain. No more suffering. If our body is racked with pain, never again. If we watch someone we love suffer physically, never 
ever again. If we have headaches, never again. No more cancer, no more diabetes, no more AIDS, no more famine, no more sickness, no more starvation, no more wars, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more agony, no more pain. It is done away with again and again and again. The world has no curse and we can walk with God and he will do away with all the pain. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth and we will never ever suffer again. And number three is we will live with God forever. This is the way it's described in scripture, Revelation chapter 21, verse three. And this phrase is written 20 times in the book of Revelation, okay? 20 times, we're gonna read the 20th time. This is the, the phrase right here. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. One commentary I read, it said this, because it's the last time, this is the most important announcement from God in all of Revelation. So if that's true, and I could see why it is, right? And the final time from the throne, there is the voice of God. Now God says, the dwelling of God is, where is it, you guys? It's with them. It's with them. It's with them, the dwelling of God, everybody help me out, it's with them. And where will he live? He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be where? He will be with them, and he will be, you guys, what? He will be their God, and this is the final declaration from the throne. 